Hello and welcome back to episode six of the Paddock Picks podcast. Uh, delighted to be joined uh, on the line once again by Charlie Post. How are you, Charlie? I'm good, Dom. Uh, just down at the sales in Newmarket with a couple of horses selling tomorrow. So they passed their betting. So yeah, I feel I feel good right now. It's always a nervous time. I saw on Twitter that you had, uh, was it James King down this morning? Yeah, James King and Alice Stevens, both of them were riding at Perth and in the last race yesterday, and they were in at 5.45 this morning to give a couple of the unraced horses a, a jump that are running this weekend before Fran and I went down to the sales. So good dedication from the pair of them, and that, yeah, they're two talented young riders. Absolutely right. Yeah, that's uh, that's dedication for you. Uh, myself and Charlie, uh, we are very happy to be joined as well uh, by recent Centurion this season, Fergal O'Brien. Fergal, thank you for your time. How's things? Uh, morning, Don. Uh, very good. Thanks. Yeah. Morning, Charlie. Or afternoon. Morning, folks. Um, we're all, we're all, we're all good. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely no problem at all, um, gents. It's a, it's obviously a sombre note um, to start with uh, with the the passing of of Lorna Brook uh, at the age of thirty seven on Sunday uh, Sunday evening after a fall at Taunton um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Fergal, obviously, I thought that particularly your team were obviously very humble after the hundred winners, and and obviously. Uh, you know, an incident like this, it just puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, look, we we were on. Uh, well, I got I got a, a, a an early phone call on, on a very early Monday morning to say she passed in the night, and uh, you know, it's, we were on ninety nine at the time, and it, you know, from then on in, that's that's all we, we we were thinking about was was Lorna and her family, her her, her mum uh, Sue was just you know they're just lo- lovely people, and I've known Laura since she was sort of seventeen, and she started pointing and. Um, I was training points at the time, and just you know, it's just that radiant smile and that, that cheerful, outgoing um, uh, way she had it going about her. She just, you know, she brought joy wherever she was, even on a bad day. Horse didn't run well, you know. She just, it, it, she never blamed anyone. It was never anyone's fault. It was just, you know, we're okay for another day, and that was her attitude. She, she had a great and positive attitude, and uh, she had a great work ethic as well, and. Um, a huge, huge loss to 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 the sport, not just to the amateur ranks, but to the sport um, itself. And uh, but look, I, like I said to someone, I, I think if you give Lorna and her mum their time again, I don't think they would change anything. She 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 um, unfortunately passed away doing something that she that she really really loved, and she had a huge passion for. Yeah, very very well said, uh, Fergal. Charlie, I, I guess it, it just goes to show that the kind of risks that I suppose, particularly national hunt jockeys, you know, put themselves at, you know, day in day out. Without doubt, Dom. And um, yes, I mean Fergal, I think hit the nail on the head. You know, as in it, and it's. You, I've, I've seen plenty of tweets where you see people saying, you know, it maybe should make people think twice before they start criticising too much on social media and that. As in, these guys and girls are, are, are putting themselves at massive risk every day and 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 more than that like for Lorna like I remember she used to ride out of Richard Lee's when I was a big part of the team there and as Fergal said she was always a real happy character just loved what she did and, and this is someone that this is sport in the purest sense she did this for for no reward no return just for the love of the game you know and uh mm. you know Fergal and myself we, we do it to earn a living Lorna Brooke did it just because she loved it and and yes I agree with Fergal I don't think she'd change things for a second but it's someone paying the ultimate price just for the passion of playing sport, and 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 she did love it. You know, she she absolutely relished every moment, and you know, plenty of times she would go and racing to ride horses that were trained by her mother, but and they didn't even have much chance. But she always loved being there, being part of it, race riding, and and sport in its purest sense. And and it's just a 
tragic and, and, and it does it. It makes you reflect on things and you think you've had a bad day because a horse gets beat or, you know, for us, we have a young horse not run as well as you expect and, and being straight up, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And, and like I say, I think we can all learn a lesson from that. Yeah, quite right. Very well said, Charlie, as well. Uh, I thought yesterday as well, it, it was very fitting, wasn't it, the uh, the victory for, for Guardville um, with Immy Robinson aboard, uh, obviously at Ludlow, which I believe was Lorna's local track as well. So um, obviously that, that, that was fantastic to see. And we, of course, send our condolences to all of Lorna's family and friends at this very, very sad time. Um, Fergal as well, uh, just just to, uh, on another kind of sombre note to add, there was obviously um, two legendary, uh, you know, Cheltenham Festival horses presenting Percy and Cause of Causes, who sadly um, lost their lives as well. And uh, you know more than most, you know, without these horses, we, we wouldn't have a sport. So it, it almost feels fitting to pay homage to them as well. Yeah, I know, exactly. You know, the horses are, are just important in, in our sport as uh, as as the humans, you know, without it, like you said, it just wouldn't happen. And um, it's sad to lose two two great characters, two great warriors. And presenting Percy, obviously, was one that um, came up and uh, we came up against Cheltenham in the attempts finally beat Barney Dwan. Um, I can still hear Davy Russell complaining that he had too too much hand, too much weight in the handicap. And <laughs> um, <laughs> now, but um, he won by about eight lengths going away pulling the train. But anyway. Um, yeah, look, two, two, two great legends of, of, of our sport, and it's, uh, it, it's sad that they've passed as well. Yeah, of course, Charlie, it just really, uh, again, another, we talk about putting things in, into perspective, and it almost feels like these moments, you know, sort of bring everyone in the sport together, and, and you know, whether you've kind of had £5 on them in the past or, or just enjoyed watching them, you know, watching them race and, and doing what they love, it's, it's obviously a very, very sad time as well. Yeah, smashing horses, and you, you, like you say, they they both sort of a. Uh, gone too soon i mean especially cause of causes just into retirement really and 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 yeah i mean like 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 you, we just have to remember the good days with horses like that and 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 i suppose they probably haven't had as much recognition as they deserve this week because tragically we've lost the human life and 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 so it it sort of overshadows everything but yeah i mean like we're we're, we're blessed to have such lovely horses and, and and we we're so reliant on them and and special performers that i'm sure that that you know the the memory of their their fantastic victories will, will will sort of you know live around for a long time to come because they were they were two real stars of the game and and, and two real characters as well. Dom. Yeah, presented Percy, two-time winner at the Cheltenham Festival, Cause of Causes, a, a hat-trick hero at Presby Park, and obviously, of course, second uh, in a Grand National as well. So, uh, two fantastic horses, as uh, Fergal and Charlie quite rightly allude to. Fergal, we couldn't have you uh, on the podcast, of course, without mentioning um, the 100 winners of the season, since 102, uh, I believe, with, with two wins at, at Perth uh, and Taunton, um, brought up by Oscar Rose at Kempton on Monday evening. I believe she was the first winner for the yard at Huntington in 2016. Is that correct? No, uh, not quite correct, but she was. <laughs> someone, someone needs to stack your researcher. Um, no, she, she, was our, she was our first winner. Um, she was our first winner out of Ravenswell Farm. Oh, that's right, in, for the new stable. In, yeah. In, in, yeah, from the new stable in 20, uh, October 2019. She won a Tuzzle. So she, like, we, we, we went into Ravenswell Farm. We put the gallop in. And she, we were still training out in Norton, but she came um, out of a pre-training yard in August. We were, we had ten stables built, and she was one of the ten that went back to to start off at Ravenswell in August, the end of August, um, when we when the gallop was finished. And um, yeah, she was our first runner and our first winner from Ravenswell. So this, look, it's quite special that she was our hundred winner at the end. It was lovely that you know Liam Harrison got to ride her as well. So it was uh, it was great. It was a great evening. And um, like I said, you know, once we 
once I'd heard the news about Lorna, it, it did sort of um, pale into insignificance. You know, whether we got a hundred or whether we stayed at ninety nine, it didn't really matter. You know, but it was um, when she crossed the line, I did I did feel a, a lot of relief because the last sort of two or three weeks were probably been. Um, you know, I don't get that stressed about 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 entries and declarations, but I was waking up thinking, oh, we put that horse in there, and I was, you know, but I've got great people around me. Neil Jukes is a fantastic man who hosts our entries, and you know, you know, uh, Paddy Brennan has just driven the whole thing for the for the last month, six weeks. Paddy has just been, you know, entering horses here, there, and everywhere, and and the own, the owners have been great. And I'll, I'll get a phone call from an owner saying, oh. See my horse is entered, so I go, yeah, sorry, that'll be Paddy again. I'm afraid, sorry. So <laughs> we had him double entered everywhere. So um, yeah, look, it was a, it's a great achievement by everyone at the yard. And it, it's um, yeah, it's, it was it was it was it was you know two months of the season that we lost early on. It was it was a great achievement. Was it was it was the hundred a target for goal along, or is it something that just came about because of the the, the continued run of success throughout the year? Um, no, the hundred was never a target. No, not at all. Not my wildest dreams. You know, you got to remember, I worked for Nigel Twist and Davis for eighteen years. One of the best national hunt trainers in the game. Who we never had a hundred winners. The eighteen years I was there, ninety-seven was his best ever season. So, so a hundred was never, never on the target. And then, sort of just before Christmas, um, well, d- December actually, I think November, December. I thought, look, we, we, they were rattling along pretty well. We had a fantastic November, and they were really rattling along. And, Someone mentioned, and I just sort of laughed it off, and then, then we had a quiet time in January. So I thought that you know, that's gone, and you know we'll we'll still have a good number. And if we get to sort of 80, 85, considering our best season would have been sixty three, I'd have been delighted, you know. Um, and then again, they just after the middle of January, just started rattling again. And um, so look, I was very lucky that the horses stayed healthy and they stayed in good form. And you know, like I said, the the key thing is to is, is keeping them healthy and putting them in the right race. And, it's not something that, as you know, Charlie, that we can do by ourselves. We've got a lot of people there who are who are all pulling in the same direction, and it's it's uh, it's a great achievement by everyone. Is is there one moment in particular, Fergal, from this season out of kind of those hundred winners? Is, is there one that would stand out more than most? Would you say? Yeah, I suppose it would actually, because I went. Uh, yeah, I, I think Sunday at Stratford, Um I went to Fontwell. Uh, we had two favourite. We were on ninety eight, and I went to Fontwell. Uh, cool and they couldn't see him being beaten. He'd won round Fontwell in the winter. Um, he was getting a good pull of the weights with, with Gary Moore's horse, which was was second favourite. Uh, couldn't see him be beaten. I couldn't see Ocean Cove being beaten. So I thought, I'd go to Fontwell. It's not a journey I like doing. Went to Fontwell on a Friday. The bolt got beat. And I drove out of Fontwell thinking, we're not going to get to 100 winners on Friday. Saturday was a long old day. And then Sunday, I went to, Stra- went to Stratford. And um, Albie Tufnell uh, won on uh, I'm Wise Now 100 Chase. And... You know, ironically, uh, I'm wise now. I was owned by Jim Collett, who's been with me from my pointing days. Um, Sally Randall, my partner, actually rode. The first time I met Sally was she came to the yard to ride uh, Bradley for Jim uh, before the Royal Artillery Gold Cup, which she won on him. Um, and then I didn't see Sally for another two years before we got together. Well, that was my first introduction to Sally. And poor Albie um, lost his brother about six weeks ago. So... That that was you know it was quite poignant that um, it gave his family something to um, to, to to sort of cheer him cheer him on about. He gave him a fantastic ride. Um, it was we, we we call him Ruby Walsh now. It's just he was ice cool all the way. And uh, I so that that would be so that would be the one. Jim was there. Jim's in his eighties now. Jim Collett was there. Um, and we all went back to the plough. It was like well, it was like the old pointing days. You know, and bearing in mind I started off pointing, 
uh, and Hunter Chase. And so I, I, last Sunday, and once we got to 99 and we had so many entries this week, um, I just felt that we would we, we would get there then. Yeah, brilliant. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Ruby Walsh and, and kind of Stratford in the same uh, in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie, do you remember this when um, Ruby went back over the water jump because he thought there was another circuit to go a few years ago? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, uh, it just shows it can it can happen to the best of them. Um, yeah, as in, uh, I can remember. I remember the time Ruby wasn't too happy about it. Now, um, <laughs> as you can well imagine, uh, a significant ban awaiting him for 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 like you riding around Stratford, which for him would be a sort of a, a fairly sort of small venue to be performing at. So yeah, and, and it just shows like it can happen to anyone, Dom. And uh, yeah, yeah, as in, uh, it, it was it was quite an incredible moment, really. Like say, seeing them finish off at the straight at Stratford and see Ruby go straight on instead of going around the water jumper. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, afterwards I can I can remember he was not a happy man. Now, no, I'm certainly sure he wasn't. Um, Ferg, we'll just go back to yourself. Uh, I was wondering if there's potentially one horse for for next season um, that you think that we should uh, all all take a keen eye on. <laughs> that's that's fairly unfair. Um, <laughs> there, there's not there isn't one I could pick out, you know. But look, I've, we've been very lucky. A lot of those ones like Ask a Honeybee, Ask Dylan, that have all won their hard races. They, they've all school over fences uh, the last couple of weeks. And um, hopefully we'll have some nice novice chases to go forward with now as well. But I couldn't, you know, I, I, I couldn't pick, pick, I couldn't pick one out um, uh, at the minute. Um, so yeah, that'd be that'd be a tricky one. Yeah, there's still a, obviously a, f- a fair bit of the season to go, isn't there as well? Um, Charlie, uh, I was going to say Paul Nichols, of course. Uh, you know, a personal best, 173 winners uh, for the season. Uh, you know, team at, at Deitchie just seems to get stronger and stronger every year. I mean, look whether the whether the the horse, the equine team is is the strongest it's ever been. I don't know, but I mean, what you're seeing with Paul Nichols is what we see every year. He's a, he's a fierce competitor. He's always trying to drive the bar ever higher, and he he just it, you know if 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 the benchmark for sort of status and success is consistency, well, Paul Nichols is there every year. Every year, if he's not champion trainer, he's contending. He's even when he's down on probably top class equine quality he's still managing to farm grade one wins and and like I say you know I, I don't know how many years Paul's been training now a long time and, and to be still setting personal best tells you all you need to know about Paul Nichols and if you admire him for anything his competitive spirit is second to none. Yeah quite right um, obviously the big news I suppose uh, from from Paul yesterday Fergal is that Clandizobo has been supplemented uh, for the Punchestown Gold Cup. Uh, there was obviously a bit of debate on Twitter as to whether he, he was going to head to Sandown um, this Saturday. If, if he was at Ravenswell Farm, um, which route would you be sending him for? Uh, I'd be following Paul Nichols. I'd follow Paul Nichols over a cliff. You know? <laughs> um, he, he, like, he, you've only got to look at this year. He sent a very small team to Cheltenham. Uh, and saved everything that he had that, that, that he thought could win at, at, at entry and had a, he had a, a fantastic entry, you know. So it's knowing your horses and, you know, I don't think anyone knows their horses better. He, you know, we all, as trainers, you, you have to sort of live and breathe it. But, you know, I think Paul, and I have to say it with Dan as well, you know, I think they they they, they live and breathe it to, to another level. Um, you know, he just, he's he's so fierce. He's such a fierce competitor. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a novice heard on Newton Abbott or whether it's one of the great races on a Saturday, he 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 wants to win that race, and uh, you know you you gotta you gotta take your hat off to him. He, he's a phenomenal competitor, and actually, you know he's you know he was one of the first people to send me a text message to say well done on the hundred. He knows how hard it was to get, yeah. And uh, um, yeah, so uh, you know I sent him one yesterday saying well done on beating your person, told your 
you're at long last you're getting the hang of this job so um <laughs> yeah it's it, it, it you know he he's He's someone that you know, someone that that will will speak to anyone. He's he's, he's very good for racing, uh, but he's a fierce competitor. The, uh, the best story to, for me to, to to show his competitive desire is we were at Lark Hill before Christmas, and Paul, I think I, I don't know if it was Shamron. There was one of those that he owned he owned part of, but he was there just to point to pointing on his day off. And this whichever horse it was, it got beat, and. I, he was going absolutely bananas afterwards about about the, the the ride that it got and the fact that he felt it should have won and and it it just shows you with Paul like mm. I say it wasn't his own horse he, he wasn't training it himself he was just there for the day out and involved with this horse from, from an ownership point of view but it, it still rankled with him that he thought it was a winner that had got away and yeah. so even on his day off Paul Nichols is competing and and I think like Fergal says you know no different to when. AP was around and that, you know, people like that just keep raising the bar because they make everyone sort of try and match up to those sort of competitive desires to be constantly improving and training winners. And, and Paul has shown that throughout his career, second to none for me. Uh, yeah, very, very well said, Charlie. I think, like you say, to, in this sport, you kind of live and breathe it. I'm sure, don't you? Particularly when you're uh, you're training horses day in, day out of uh, you know the standard of uh, of Paul Nichols, and obviously, of course, yourself, Fergal. I was listening to Ruby Walsh actually talking. I think it was on the ITV podcast um, uh, just early this morning, and. I think connections, obviously, why they've supplemented Clan Desobo, a big part of it is down to the prize money. Uh, the Bet365 Gold Cup uh, is worth £115,000, whereas I think just the winner of the Punchestown Gold Cup um, receives €147,500. Um, Fergal, as, a, as a, you know, a National Hunt trainer in the modern day, what's your kind of view on on British racing? Do you think that the, the kind of the cards day in, day out are too congested? Do we need to kind of tone it down a little bit, a bit like the Irish and and minimise the, the number of, of fixtures we have uh, per every single day? Yeah, look, I'm not going to go into the... because it's, it's, it's fairly controversial. And, but what, what, we, what, we, what we're trying to do there, what, you, what, what everyone's... Doing, you're trying to compare apples and pears. Mm. Um, you know, English, Irish racing and English racing are two totally different sports in the fact that, you know, Irish racing is government supplemented. Mm. Um, so it's, it's got a huge rural pop, uh, population in Ireland that follow racing. Uh, the IHRB own all their race tracks. They own all their fixtures. So it, it, it's you're, we really are comparing apples and pears. And until we find a better model for jump racing in England, it's going to be an ongoing thing. It's, it's this is what the, this is the prize money is going to be ongoing. But what 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 Cheltenham did and what Aintree have done is is it's, it's highlighted the fact. And you know, hopefully that the BHA can lobby government and hopefully maybe get some of the. The, the 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 power needs to come back to the to the, to the BHA really and to the and to the owners. That's who the mm. you know it, it's 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 it's, it's it, our business model over here for racing is is totally wrong because the the owner is totally forgotten about. You know the race courses are making money, um, you, you know, they, they, but the, it's the owner that's providing the product and they're not they're you know they're not making any money and they haven't got a chance to make any money. You have to win something like four races, five races, which is very hard to do mm. because the handicap system over here is so bad. Look, I could go on and on and I'll be start ranting in a minute. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, but, we, uh, could have, we could have a six-hour podcast on I know, it, yeah. and, it, and it, never it, find it, a solution. It's, it's, it's a bloody quandary, it really is. It, you know? it, it, does, it, does, it, does need, it does need tweaking and it is being looked at. And, you know, um, it, it, it's a shame. It is a shame that they've decided to take it for the... Taking him over there for prize money because the, the, the you know the, the 
public are missing out over here. Well, not so much this time because we're in we're in lockdown. But you know, if it was a normal year, it would be a shame for the for the Sandown crowd not to see plant is over. But it's it, mm. it's it, you say it's something that that there isn't a quick fix. Um, um, but it, it does need sorting out. I suppose moving um sort of back onto the the race focus then. Uh obviously another bit of big news is, is that Willie Mullins will drop back uh, Alaho to two miles to take on stable mate um, Shaka Porsoir Charlie I'm not too sure if Paul Town and his back in time uh, for the Punches Town Festival but let's say uh, for, for example he was and, and you had the choice of, of Alaho and Shaka Porsoir who would you go for? Poor oh, crikey I mean that that is some tough call in all honesty because uh, I mean Alaho was mightily impressive in the in, in the Ryanair and, and you're looking at the way he went through it and thinking like dropping back to two mile isn't going to be an issue. And but I, I suppose I don't know. It's hard. I, I'd probably fancy Shaq and Porcelain to bounce back. As in, I just think he Cheltenham whether it didn't suit him, whether they didn't go quick enough for him, and he, he looked for all the world like he tanked through the race. And Alaho is definitely going to give him something to aim at because you'd think surely they're going to go forward, dropping back and trip on Alaho, and Shaq and Porcelain will just be able to follow away. And so it's a 50-50 call, Dom, and it's a great race. I mean, if they all turn up, I mean, we, we chuck Nube Negra first flow, Faki mm. Duderi still in this race. This could be an absolute humdinger of a contest. But if you're asking me to pick between these two, yeah, I mean, it, it's a real tough call, but I'd be marginally in Shaq and Portois' favourite. Favor. What about yourself, Virgil? Yeah, no, I, I you know, I think Rachel rode Alaho at Charlton, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think it'd be a job to take her off it. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure even if, if Paul's back. I, I, I'm not sure even if, if it, you know. I think the owners would want to stick with her, and um, they obviously had a big say in you know Jack Kennedy riding um, the horse, the fellow that went from Gordon's to, to Henry Bromwich. So um, I think that, that, that Rachel will stick with that one, and, and, and you know I think like Charlie said, drop and pack and trip. They'll they'll make plenty of use of him, and you know Rachel Blackmore is so good from the back, from the front, drop him in, whatever. She just gets all those fractions right, and uh, uh, you know I think Alaho will take a lot of beating. Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously funny you mentioned uh, Rachel uh, Fergal, myself and Charlie on on the podcast last week. We're, we're talking about the kind of effect that she's had uh, in terms of putting you know racing into the mainstream with her Cheltenham Festival performances, and then of course winning the the Grand National and, and, and kind of you know men and women performing at this this equal level uh, in the sport of horse racing. And uh, obviously the big story from uh, last weekend uh, was Lucinda Russell winning the the Scottish National, having won the uh, the Aintree and all uh, a few years ago, and obviously. A little bit of a redemption for Tom Scudamore as well, of course, after after Klopkath um, sort of underperformed. So a, a fantastic story uh, up at air last Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I know it was good, and, and Rachel's been brilliant, you know. And it just shows that that how good racing is and how how far forward racing is. You know, it's it's you know it's, it's you know it's not that long ago that tennis and, and all the rest of the prize money was a lot more for the men than for the women, mm. whereas the girls can compete at, at a total level playing field. They get paid the same. They receive the same prize percentage of prize money, and you know it's how it should be. And uh, you know she's been fantastic for the sport. She's just a great ambassador for the sport because she's down to earth, nice person, and she's brilliant at what she does. 
Yeah, but then I guess moving away just slightly off topic uh, from horse racing, there was plenty of talk this week about about a European Super League. Charlie, myself, and you just just kind of uh, spoke to it um, off air. Uh, you know, six teams from England and, and six teams from other parts of Europe that uh, had apparently agreed to form um, some sort of Super League. So we thought we'd turn uh, what was you know dubbed a slightly negative story into a positive story and and ask you to form your kind of six favourite horses to make a dream team. Did you give it some thought what me as in i mean i, I sorry i thought we were doing six I, I i i formed a little super league team just for my flat season coming up dom as in just oh, going okay. off topic so um so but i mean uh go on ch- chuck me yours have you got six sort of favorites you're putting into your super league team then i, p- I picked six favorites uh just from both past and present but i mean we could all we could we could fit in uh six for the season sort of coming up that, that, that would definitely work um do you want, me, you want me to start then? You go first, yeah, go on. Okay, well, I threw in Denman, because um, I've always been a little bit more of a Denman than a Corto Star fan. Would you uh, Would you agree Definitely. with that? I'm a Corto Star fan. I'd have thought <laughs> Fergal might, might put Imperial Commander in there against Denman, I don't know. No, I, I definitely, you know, I would put Imperial Commander, but I definitely, Denman, I've, I've always been a Denman. Denman is the man that you'd go to if you had to go to war. <laughs> I just think Cato Star, if there was, if there was you know, you know, he was a, a terrifically gifted horse and he was, you know, one of the best we'll ever see of our generation. But Denman turned up, did it day in, day out. And he, he just looked like a warrior. I just, yeah, I love Denman. He was one of my, he's still one of my favourite all-time horses, yeah. yeah no, was... I can hear that, but no, Corto star for me, lads. I'm sorry I'm against you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we couldn't pick, uh, we couldn't pick six without including Arkle, could we? The uh, The greatest steeplechaser of all time. Ferg might remember him. He's a bit before my time. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen some footage of him and, and I've read all about his achievements. And like you say, it's unbelievable. I mean, the way he used to carry and the things he used to do were just absolutely outstanding. And, and look, we, in modern day racing, we probably won't see things like that ever again, I wouldn't have thought. Would, would you agree, Ferg? Yeah, no, I think to be fair, Charlie, you're right. I think I, think I led up in these last race, to be fair. Still that old. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, th- I think Arthur would be right up there. What, what I would mention, and you know, everyone goes on about about uh, the, the speech of Tiger Robert. What Red Rum did in his day was yeah. absolutely phenomenal. I watched uh, a doc, couple of documentaries before entry, and um, you know, to, to think that Red Rum would run a minimum of six, seven times every year. I'm not taking anything away from Tiger Roll. Mm-hmm. Fantastic horse, great story, won at Cheltenham. You know, the national, and we can go back to the old days and go on about the fences, but what Red Rum used to do year in, year out was to, to run in five nationals, to win three, be second twice. I mean, that has got to be one of the best stories ever, to, to win on five programs on the flat, uh, you know, to go win a national, win a grand national and go on and win a Scottish national two, two weeks later or something like that. Mm. I mean, he, he, to, he to me is probably, the, the you know, the greatest jump horse that we've, um, and, and the way he carried the, the greatest jump horse that we've seen, you know. I completely agree with that. If it, I we're going to chuck a hurdler in, if we're just chucking it out there, Dom, I'm going to throw Isterbrack into the mix as a, yeah. as a kid growing up. He just really captivated me. Him, him and Charlie Swan, I, do, I just thought he was absolutely electric. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen a hurdler like it in my lifetime before or since, you know. Yeah, I think uh, was, he was aiming for, uh, it, was, it was three champion hurls he won, wasn't it? You know, he was going for his fourth when foot and mouth were That's paid right. to it, um, and, then, and then he returned the year after, but, but pulled up with a circuit to go, you know, and was the sort of end of his career, and he was probably unlucky not to be out on his own with that with that sort of four champion hurdles to his, to his, to his, um, on his CV, but he was just, he was just the most electric jumper of a hurdle I've, I've personally yeah. I've nearly ever seen. 
Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people, yeah, like you say, reflective of a uh, of two mile two mile uh, you know champion hurdle winners. He, he would be right up there at the top, wouldn't he? Uh, I did include a couple of flat horses as well, just for, from years gone by. Uh, Nijinsky, the uh, Triple Crown winner. I mean, we 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 do well to kind of see a, a horse you know win a Guineas, uh, a Derby, and a St Ledger all in the same season, kind of in the modern day, wouldn't we? Uh, yeah, no, we would. As I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go. I've got one in the 120, so I've got to go and saddle up in a minute. So I'm going to have to leave you, I'm afraid. No, that's... Right, th- uh, good luck. Thanks, Virgil. Yeah, thank- no, thanks very much. I'm sorry to cut it short, uh, <laughs> but uh, thanks for having me on, and we'll, we'll speak to you soon. No worries, Virgil. Yeah, thanks so for your time. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. 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 Uh, Charlie, yeah, sorry, uh, just going back to uh, Nijinsky, uh, like I yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, we, we nearly saw it with Camelot, didn't we, a few years yeah. back? But, I mean, it, it's something that, with the with the flat racing being so orientated around speed now, it, it, it's it's almost seen as a negative winning a St. Ledger to a horse's future stallion career if they were fortunate enough to have won a Guineas or a Derby beforehand. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would be, I would be fairly sure it's something we'll never see again unless, say, Coolmore, in a sporting sense of the term, decided they were going to have another go at it with a horse that they thought it was possible with. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, again, a phenomenal horse. He was almost, he was unlucky not to win an arc as well at the end of that season. Mm. And just, the, you know, listening to Lester Piggott and, and Vincent O'Brien and people like that speak of him, a horse with, with an amazing and, 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 you know, just outstanding amount of class, a, a top, top performer. Absolutely right. Um, again, just just sticking with the flat, um, I put see the stars in there. I think just because the only kind of regret, I suppose, with him is that we didn't see him progress into a foot into a, a you know a four year old and and have a campaign as a four year old. But I mean, I've just got here, you know, to win a a, a derby, a, a guineas, an international, an eclipse, and an arc all, all in the same season as a, as a three year old. I mean, that's just uh, that, that that's kind of you know in, in flat folklore forever, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, look, and, and incredibly well trained and handled by John Ox and, and ridden by one of the greatest horses of all time in Mick Canan. And he, he, a, a tremendous horse. Actually, from a, uh, a sort of a handicap mark and, and time form point of view, probably didn't quite get the credit he deserved because he, he, never, he never won by that far. He always just got the job done. But, but as you say, to go through the season, 2000 Guineas, Derby, Eclipse, and end up with an arc is... is Outstanding and and and, 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 and yeah, an incredible horse that, that probably put in one of the three-year-old seasons of all time to do what he did, and and he he rightly deserves a position in in, in a group like that. Absolutely right. Um, one mile, two furlongs at Ascot on good ground. Frankel or see the stars. Who are you going for, Charlie? Cool. Oh, be brilliant to see, wouldn't it? Crikey, it'd be some race. Uh, I'm going to go Frankel. I just mm. he just was he just was freakishly good and and he's unbeaten and you know did it over a, a multiple seasons and you know showed that sort of electric pace as a young horse that freakish 2000 guineas win that, that which is a, a flat performance that I've never seen before or will again yeah. and then to be sort of have his sort of latent talent and and exuberance sort of harbored and, and nurtured by Henry Cecil and Tom Queeley to make him end up culminating in a a mile and a quarter champion stakes victory on heavy ground. He was a, he was brilliant and just, ju- uh, yeah, just marginally, I, I'm probably slightly more in Franklin's camp than see the stars. Don, what about yourself? Um, I would probably have to agree uh, with yourself, Charlie. I mean, I, I like profiles where 
it's almost a bit like the Ronaldo Messi debate, isn't it? Where Ronaldo's kind of been to different clubs, experienced different cultures, has, has been around Europe, you know, obviously playing for Manchester United, Real Madrid, um, and then obviously now Juventus. Uh, I think he was at Sporting Lisbon before uh, uh, as well. Uh, and I guess obviously, you know, see the stars kind of had that pedigree of, you know, going to Ireland and, and going to France and, and winning kind of group ones on a, you know, a, an, an international basis. And I suppose perhaps the only regret from Frankel's career is that we never really kind of, you know, saw him to go and, you know, tackle the, the best of, you know, the Americas or the best of the, the Europeans. But I mean, as you quite rightly say, I would probably have no doubt that he would have gone to, you know, Longchamp or the Breeders' Cup and, and won on the bridle, wouldn't he? He probably would have. But like you say, it's, it's a good point. He didn't travel and maybe that is a slight negative, but you just can't argue with his race record. And, and I just, I like to say, I just thought he was a, a, a just a, a freakishly talented horse. And, and for for all that, again, see the stars did some remarkable things. It, 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 it's what racing's all about. It's a game of opinions and, mm. I love both horses, and it's a race I'd love to see. But if we're talking at it right now, like I say, I'm slightly more in Frankel's camp than see the stars. Yeah, he's a, a modern great, um, and I suppose you know these kind of great horses don't come along too often, do they? So um, absolutely uh, not not my place to, to crab them. You know, obviously enjoy them for what they were, and, and Frankel was a was a you know a wonderful, wonderful racehorse. Charlie, so have you got six horses for the upcoming flat season then? Yeah, I mean, I, I just chopped it together this morning, Dom. And, uh, so I, I put Battleground of Aidan O'Brien's that, yep. that won at Glorious Goodwood last year. He was second in the Breeders' Cup. Um, again, I, I think he could be a top, top three-year-old, mm. uh, whether he starts off in the Guineas or not. The Another affiliate that they're raving about, she only ran the once in a maiden, is Santa Barbara of Aidan O'Brien's. Yep. Um, they say oh, oh, her homework is, is phenomenal. She looks physically like a colt and seems like she's very strongly fancy for the Guineas. So I chucked her in there. The third one from Aidan O'Brien's high definition, won the Beresford Stakes last year, which has been, a, 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 as a two-year-old, she's been a fantastic barometer, so sort of future very, very good performers. And I thought maybe he was Aidan's sort of main derby contender. Um, Palace Pier, who was an exceptionally good three-year-old miler last year, did get beaten the QE2 at the end of the season with John Gosden, but I just felt maybe he'd be another one to progress. This yep. season might start off in the lock-inch. Could maybe experiment with going off in trip as well. Mm. Um, fifth one was Batash, all speed. He's a gelding, so there's no reason why we won't see him continue to race until sort of he he decides that it's not for him anymore. And I just think I just love electric pacing horses, and he's he's an absolute firecracker of a horse. And so I, I thought he deserved his place. And the other one, from a same point of view, as I chucked in subjectivist of uh, Mark Johnson's. Yeah. Very impressive recently in Maidan, and I just thought if, if there was going to be a horse to sort of take over Stradivarius's mantle as the staying king, mm. this horse of Mark Johnson's could be the one. So they were six that uh, I, I chucked up as sort of six to follow for the flat this season. Don. Hey, fantastic. Um, I, I think I actually um, I've backed Battleground for the Guineas, I believe. Um, so I think, like you say, he ran an absolute cracker in the uh, in the Breeders' Cup, and he he look he look he's I mean, he's massive, isn't he? Have you seen, I've seen pictures of him. He, I mean, he's some Looks specimen. Huge horse, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 some physical specimen. Yeah, he is. We'd love to see him um, over a fence, wouldn't we? In the Arca one day, he's uh, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's he's very yeah. very well. I think, we, I think we can put it. Out, I think we can put it out there right now. That never <laughs> <happens>. <laughs> no, very true. Um, Palace Pier. It's funny you mentioned. I think he's been declared for um, Sandown tomorrow, hasn't he? Has he? Oh yeah. well, there we go. And um, I must admit that that that's gone beyond me. So 
I will bow to your greater knowledge. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're completely right. Yeah, he's in a he's in the bet three six five miles tomorrow, so it'll be very interesting to see him start off. And I just thought he's a sort of uh, John Gosden horse that yes, he was a very good three year old miler, but he could develop into an even better older horse. And I'm I'm look, really looking forward to seeing him start off. Yeah, I, th- I think they said he lost um, a fr- his, his front left shoe that day at Ascot in the, in the QE2, yeah. which yeah may have just kind of hindered him near the end. But of course, like you say, he, he was unbeaten before that, and he, he had some you know fantastic form to his name. Of course, beating um, beating Pinatubo uh, at Royal Ascot, so fantastic uh, prospect. Of, of course, as you say, as a four year old and Batash, I suppose the the one kind of not criticism, but the one um, we, we obviously compare National Hunt and Flat sometimes and. You know, we see the kind of the same horses coming back in National Hunt, you know, year in, year out. But but Batash is, is almost that exception on the flat, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, he he returns year in, year out. And like I say, because he is a gelding, so he has no future at stud, unfortunately, for Batash. It, it means that there's no real reason for him to retire, as in for as long as he keeps enjoying it and shows the same amount of latent ability that he possesses. Um, I think he'll keep coming back. And like you say, he's a seven-year-old now. I mean, last year certainly didn't show that his his ability was on the wane. I mean, he was he was sort of unbeaten through last season and and just a horse of blind in pace. And and I'm really really looking forward to seeing him start off again. Absolutely right. So the the all time team is Isterbrack, Denman, Arkel, Red Rum, See the Stars, and Frankel, and Charlie six to watch for the flat this season. Santa Barbara Battleground. High definition, Palace Pier, Batash, and Subjectivist. So, uh, yeah, that's yep. that's a stellar uh, field of of twelve, isn't it? Like you say, particularly with uh, obviously uh, being a football fan yourself, Charlie. This kind of news of a, a Super League. I mean, it looks like it's not going to happen now. But what were your your thoughts on it when you heard the uh, the breaking news on Sunday? Well, as a Coventry City fan, Dom, it wasn't really having to affect <laughs> me too much. Um, but yeah, as in it just it just smacked of greed. Um, elitism and yeah, I, I was a bit, I was frankly a bit disgusted by it. You know, mm. in, um, it was it was sort of the the super rich clubs trying to ring fence themselves to earn even more money and try and build an even greater gulf between them and the rest. And and like from a point of view of like the clubs like Arsenal that who can't even get in the top four mm. in, in in the Premier League at the moment, I actually thought it was embarrassing to be signing up for it. You know, as yeah. in, uh, trying to concentrate on. On, on your own sort of Premier League status right now than, than worrying about lining your pockets. And mm. it was, do you know what was brilliant though to see fans, managers, players react in the way they did and say, look, that we're not having this for no money or what, are we going to go along with this at all? Yeah. And like I say, the, the backlash was brilliant and to see them back down as quick as they can, they, mm. they did. I actually loved it. I'll be honest. I loved the, the sort of theatre and drama of it through the week. Much as I thought the initial idea was disgraceful. Yeah. No. Of course, as you say, it's, it's paid dividends, hasn't it? And, uh, and and power to the to the people is, is very much worth yeah. the oracle, hasn't it? And uh, obviously, great to see that it's uh, the the kind of the, this idea of of people lining their pockets. Uh, quite correct is 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 not going to happen and uh, I think it would have been a terrible thing for, for yeah, football if to this see all these had. mega wealthy club owners come out and have to issue these apologetic statements of, mm. and retracting their entry I thought it was fantastic it just shows that that people power still counts for something you know yeah 
Very well said, Charlie. Uh, I completely agree with that. And uh, I think, as we say, we talk about Fergal and, and having a, a kind of a six-hour debate. I suppose we could have a six-hour debate on this topic as well, couldn't we? Um, but yeah. we'll, uh, we'll we'll just take a preview. Uh, we'll just take a, a look ahead to a couple of uh, of races uh, at Sandown this Saturday. The, the jumps finale, uh, the only Grade One on the day, which is of course the celebration chase. Um, out your three to one uh, going up against the the current champion chaser. Put the kettle on. Who's seven to four? Uh, who would your money be on, Charlie? It's a corking race, this really. For, mm. You know, for to stand down the last day of the season, and, it, and it, it's worthy of it. it uh, you know, it's, it's a clash that is worthy of a day like this. And you, you, your question mark is put the kettle on is exceptional around Cheltenham. That's mm. been proven time and time again. Sandown is a very different circuit, much more sort of galloping, right-handed for sure, obviously. So could she be vulnerable? Possibly. Um, Altior has questions to answer. To me, it was he was very lacklustre around Kempton at Christmas. Yeah. Um, and if I'm being straight up, Don, the, the one I'd probably chuck into the mix is So Royale. He'll love mm. the good ground. You could argue he was very unlucky in the champion chase, got badly hampered at a crucial moment. Yep. And for me, at 7-2, to two, I'm going to take the top two on with So Royale to, to get his, a deserved day in the sun. And I think he'll love, he'll love the ground as well, won't he? If, 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 100%, if, mate, yeah. He'll yeah, relish good ground. And yeah. the other two, you could possibly argue, might not. And like I say, put the kettle on is, is fabulous. And around Cheltenham, she's going to be a major danger to anyone whenever she pitches up there. But she has shown vulnerability before on, on, on a more sort of galloping circuit, which Sandown offers. And yeah, and, and like I say, for me, Altior has questions to answer about whether he still retains the same amount of ability, much as I would love to see him bounce back. So because of all those reasons, I'm going to look beyond them and, and for so royal for me. Yep, you've argued your case uh, very well. Sorry, I think, yeah, in, in the good ground. Um, it's, it's sure to go very close. Fantastic race uh, in prospect. Uh, and then, obviously, a small but select field for the Oaksy Chase. There was some talk that potentially Tiger Roll uh, was going to make the journey over once again, but that doesn't look to be the case anymore. And uh, it's Frodon who heads the market, and I suppose off the back of his Gold Cup you know, performance where he probably outrun his odds, you know, to, to a certain degree, finishing fifth. Uh, he would probably take the beating in this in this field of four, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, on, on form, there's only really two uh, can be competitive in Frodon and Mr. Fisher. Mm. I mean, whether Dan Skelton's born survivor can get into the mix here, he, he has a lot to find over 20 pounds of Frodon and official ratings. Yep. But you have to accept the Skeltons are flying. And again, he could be one that that might enjoy this good ground and sort of run above himself. Mr. Fisher, for me, I questioned his jumping before the the before Aintree is, and it's not a place to get your confidence back. And that resurfaced with him unseating. So he's major question mark to answer. Like you say, it looks to me at the mercy of Frodon. He's clear on official ratings. He ran his race in the Gold Cup, much as he possibly didn't quite stay. And as a King George winner, he, it looks like it's going to be very difficult for anyone to beat him on, on this day on Saturday at Sandown, John. Yeah, throw it on for me as well, Charlie. Um, I think, like you say, on form, uh, the, the his rivals have plenty to find with him. Uh, I think it'd be a fantastic, you know, story for for Paul Nichols to, you know, you know, cap the year off with a with a winner uh, for the jumps finale at Sandown. 
I guess we, we couldn't really not talk about Harry Skelton, Charlie, could we? Obviously, a, a podcast guest uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think as we speak now, he, he's 10 wins clear uh, of Brian Hughes. I mean, it, it, I guess the thing, it's, it's been so much about Harry and rightly so, but obviously Dan's horses, I mean, you, you could probably put me on one of them and they'd win at the moment. They're absolutely flying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, look, it, it's a team effort, isn't it, for, for, for Team Skelton and, and Dan has been a huge part of, of Harry's championship, which I think we can we can pretty confidently say now, as in, uh, I know they will say it's not over until it's numerically impossible for Brian Hughes to surpass him, but for me, I can say Harry Skelton is going to be crown champion jockey on Saturday, and from a point of view of him being one of my great friends, I, I couldn't be more proud, but like you say, it's testament to them as a family and the skeleton operation as a whole that, that's fueled this championship charge and and yeah Dan and his team have had these horses absolutely primed to run out of their skin through the last few weeks of the season and and propel Harry to a first title and yeah like I say it, the, the family deserve enormous credit for that and, and Dan's team as a whole. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful story. I think, as, as you say, Charlie, uh, we can probably confidently say that it's um, it's 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 all went over, and uh, obviously, a, a very, very well done to to all the team. Uh, we, you know, Dan and Harry Skelton have had a fantastic season. Of course, Nuri Negra heading to to Punchestown to take on the Irish next week as well. So that should be a, a fascinating watch. Um, Charlie, it's been a fantastic podcast. Obviously, it was great to be joined by uh, by Fergal. So, are you at Newmarket right now? Did you say? Yeah, I'm sat outside the sales right now, so they, they sell tomorrow. Hopefully some stars of the future will be on the show, and fingers crossed maybe one of them's one of ours. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, well, obviously, appreciate your time as always, um, Charlie, and we uh, look forward to, the, uh, to the, the, I suppose, the next edition of the podcast uh, next week, and obviously wish you the best of luck at Newmarket. Cheers, Dom. Take care, mate. You too.